We're interrupting this program in order to begin our regularly scheduled broadcast. Thanks for watching the Lit TV Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome to episode 14, Substance Over Surface. This is your main man, Larry Wrencher, a.k.a. King Wrencher, and I'm here with my main man, Tiff, over here. Your boy, Sean Davis, a.k.a. S-Dot. I thought I was going to start off first, didn't you? Yes. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. We like to switch it up. Yeah, yeah. We thought we'd do it a little bit different this time. Look, man, uh, we are fortunate to have the Honorable Warren A. Jones with us on this particular show. Um... It is a show that I'm particularly passionate about. Those who are close to me and that know me know how uh, I feel about uh, politics from national to local to school, how important that is and how um, an education and a a solution-based dialogue about it is sorely needed, sorely needed. And we were fortunate enough to have Mr. Jones join us, who has had He'd probably get upset at me if I said illustrious, <laughs> but he's, he's had a, a, a career of 28 years um, working for our city in, in, in one shape or form. And uh, it looks like it was District 12, and then they merged it into 9, and he continued to win until 2015. Um, I could not wait to have him here and, and do this show with me and Larry, and I, I just wanted to tell a little bit more about Tell them a little bit more about yourself, Mr. Jones, if you wouldn't mind. Well, thank you for inviting me. And, and uh, just want to let you know that I'm, I'm a native of Jacksonville. I grew up here, uh, grew up in the La Villa area. And once things started to open up housing-wise for, for blacks, my parents moved to what they called North Riverside of Nixon Town. And uh, attended local schools. Uh, I always had a little interest, going back to the question you had asked earlier, uh, interest in, in politics and why uh, certain neighborhoods were neglected and some were not. Uh, and it seemed like the neighborhoods that I grew up in, the black neighborhoods, were seemed to be neglected. We moved to Stockton Street, which was uh, at that time in the, in the late uh, 1950s, it was predominantly white. Mm-hmm. And you could see the difference, the stark difference in the the quality of homes, the way the neighborhood was maintained. Uh, and I always thought the government played a role in that. And um, and then uh, had the fortune of uh, working, having a math teacher, Janet Johnson, who was the wife of Earl Johnson, who was the first black at-large council member in oh, Jacksonville. Wow. And uh, uh, worked for them part-time. And uh, then went off to Boyd State, which is the American Legion Post, and the black one sent me to uh, Tallahassee to study local and state government. There were 424 participants and 24 blacks, so we were <laughs> a stark minority. And uh, upon graduation, I went off to the University of Florida, majored in political science. I liked it. And I'm I hold that against them. I'm... <laughs> I'm a, people that know I'm a Florida State fan. Oh, we won't hold that against them in this one. Though. They finally won one after five. Years. <laughs> <laughs> it took us a long one. They all go up and down. Yeah, yeah. We drag each other. <laughs> and uh, just so happened, I was went back to high school to help my uh, 
print shop teacher with some printing he was doing. Mm. And the counselor asked me if I was interested in going to Florida. I said, I said well, I hadn't got accepted anywhere. So I went down and visited and went there. And, and Can I ask a question, Mr. Jones? You mm. said a print shop yeah, in we, high school. Yeah, we did printing. As in newspaper printing or, no, or just, just, just programs, uh, different events. If you had a, uh, they allowed the, the, the teachers, the shop teachers, to do printing on the side after school. So, so like an advocation? Yeah. Okay. And so you learn how to set the press, how to, you do, it was all manual back then. Yes, now sir. you don't have to do all that. You mm-hmm. have to learn the, where, how to set it up and all that. It was interesting. It was very. I, it, it sparked my antennas when you said that because I, I had not. I yeah, had we not had woodworking, we had cooking, we had a uh, print shop, we had all that in, in high school. Saying they took them out. Yeah, and so so, uh, so she useful. Yeah, she so she asked me if I I went there and I met a lot of good people. In fact, in my freshman class with the first two black football players at the University of Florida, Willie Jackson and Leonard George, hmm. and uh, we all started and graduated together. Awesome. So, uh, but yeah, and I came back home, and uh, my pastor was a very prominent pastor, Reverend S. L. Badger, and there was a group of uh, five individuals headed by uh, State Senator, former Senator uh, Arnett Gerardo. He, along with Earl Johnson, who was the civil rights attorney for the NAACP, and also the first Black at Large Council member, Sally Mathis, who was the first of two blacks elected in 60 years in Jacksonville, mm. along with Mary Sanderson. They were elected in 67 prior to consolidation, which happened in 1968. So you had Earl, you had Sally Mathis, you had Wendell Holmes, who was the first black school board member in the state of Florida, not just in Duval County, but in the state of Florida, and also the first black chairperson uh, in the school board in the state of Florida, Wendell P. Holmes, his wife, Found out later after I got on the city council, his wife and my fourth grade teacher. So, <laughs> so uh, want to take some of that credit? Yeah. So you had Wendell, you had Arnett Gerardo, Earl Johnson, and Clansdale Brown headed up the Urban League, and those five were working to try to find a black to recapture district at that time, District Twelve. Yes, sir. Uh, at consolid in the back of, at consolidation. The year before consolidation, they, the city of Jacksonville elected the first two blacks to, 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 to the city council since 1907. And I've heard that before, that period of time before consolidation. Mm-hmm. Um, being in our, in our particular uh, demographic of guests, they may not understand that. Could you go into that a little bit more about what yeah. the consolidation, well, before, the era of that? Before consolidation, you had cities in the county and Jacksonville was a city. You had the three be- the three beaches community, Atlantic Beach, Neptune Beach, and Jacks Beach. You had the city of Baldwin. You had uh, South Jacksonville. The city hall is still there on uh, Kings Avenue. And there was concern that you may have an Arlington city. And so uh, there was a lot of corruption going on in the city of Jacksonville prior to consolidation. And that was kind of the motivation behind consolidation. Uh, the schools had be- had become discredited. Mm. They had an elected superintendent, and he was not well educated. He was not a, uh, he was not a good superintendent, and he placed in positions of influence his friends, not be- not qualified individuals. So the district became discredited. 
And so you had the corruption with the number of individuals being indicted, uh, and you had a discredited school system. So they wanted to change the, that, and they felt like by consolidating, you would uh, create a new government instead of having 12 council members and five county commissioners, you just cons com consolidate and have just one city government. And currently today, the city council serves as both the council and the county commission. Uh, and prior to 67, there were no blacks on the city council since Reconstruction. In Reconstruction, there were 12 Republican council members, and five of those 12 were black. The last black, Georgie Ross, served from 1901 to 1907. It was almost 60 years to the day before Sally Mathis and Mary Singleton were elected to the city council in 1967. Mm. The very next year, they voted for consolidation, which combined all the cities into one, except for the beaches and ball where they wanted to maintain their identity. But that was, that was a political calculation because they had tried to annex where people in those counties vote to come in, and that failed. And so uh, because the very popular Sheriff Dale Carson would have been appointed by the mayor, and he was opposed to it, so they changed it to consolidation where everybody votes. And that passed, and they allowed the beaches to remain maintain their independence, along with Baldwin. And the sheriff would be a constitutional officer, which would be elected by the people. In most cities, if you notice, the sheriff is always elected, I mean, appointed by the mayor. We don't have that in Duval County. There were blacks on both sides of the issue. There were some who felt like it was a way to dilute the black vote, which that was a fact because the, they saw the growing influence of black voters in Duval County. Black Atlanta, the projections were that in the next 10 to 20 years, you'd have a predominantly black city. And there were those in the white community feared that, didn't want to see that happen, so they pushed for consolidation, <clears throat> and they were able to get some black uh, leaders to support consolidation. And, the, and the, overall, the black community did support consolidation with the idea that a lot of, a lot of ills, a lot of issues that had been neglected for decades would be addressed at consolidation. Um, I'll let you go next. No. Okay. Yeah. To my understanding, and I've never, uh, I've yet to actually physically be at a conference, uh, excuse me, at a council meeting. Mm -hmm. But I've heard that come up in past and, and looking at it on television, mm -hmm. heard it come up in the past like that is a stiff argument some people are making and they feel like some arrange, some agreements yeah. that were made for consolidation still haven't been fulfilled. Yeah, um, and that's a, that's a heavy pushback. And it was a wave of history for me when I heard that. So that's when, I, when you brought it up, I was like, you know, that area of time, because it seems like when you they were, it seems like there was some small d democratic posturing, right, on both sides, trying to make an agreement to see how we can make this thing work for everybody. Right. And yet and still, it seems like we still have. And the Chamber of Commerce was involved, and they said they would always support at least one black at large because, because the fear was by having the five at large, you would not have black representation because, you know, you vote countywide that dilutes the black voting strength. Yes, sir. So they had three minority access districts, one at large. And uh, so Sally Mathis, Earl Johnson, Mary Singleton, and Oscar Taylor were the 
four blacks on that first consolidated city council. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Uh, one of them were indicted, and so Oscar Taylor was indicted. And the next election, the governor appointed a young black man named uh, Gerald Clarkson to fulfill, finish out his term. And in 1971, which was the first election after consolidation, uh, five blacks ran and two whites ran. And of course, the, the blacks split the black vote up and the two whites made the runoff. And so that we lost that district. That's where Gerardo, Clanzell, Earl, Sally, Wendell, and, and uh, others worked together to find someone to run the, to recapture that district. They sought out my pastor, Reverend S.L. Badger, who was well known in that in the community. He had no interest in running for city council. His son, Chuck Badger, Dr. Badger, who taught me in high school, I graduated in 70, June of 74. January, he was knocking on my door, 75, asking me to run for city council. I said, wow, wait a minute. <laughs> I always thought about running one day. I said, well, but I was going to work in the camp. I said, well, I didn't want to look back and say what could have happened had I not run. So I ran, finished third in the five-person race, endorsed Randy Amos, who won, and, and, rep and really worked to represent the total community. Uh, he decided to run for tax collector the next term, which is 79, so I ran again and won and served until term limits were imposed. It was 10 new council members in uh, 79 yes, sir. without term limits, and there were five blacks, the most we've had since Reconstruction. And then uh, in and, and, and 1991, I had the honor of being elected council president. We had nine new council members that year, and then I, I was elected again to serve as council president in 1992. And it, it, I, I got to say, uh, based on what I know, it seems rare that a council president wins back to back. It, it only happened twice, even before term. Now, you, you wouldn't expect it now with term limits. Yes, sir. But even before term limits, you only had one person that was uh, David Harrell. He served, was elected twice, but he only served six months in the second term and he left, he resigned. I'm the only one to serve full, two full terms as council president and only the second black, because Earl Johnson was the first black to serve as council president. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't serve his full term and they voted him out hmm. as president. See, I'm, I'm getting a, a history lesson and a civics lesson at the same time. <laughs> so this is, this is definitely a win for me. Um, I know me and Sean was talking um, earlier in the week, and um, based on just the just a little bit you, you was just telling us telling us a, sec, a moment ago, it, it feels as if the, the black black community was more heavily involved in politics at one point in time, as compared to today. Um, well, I I would think it, it it seems that way. I think the church was more involved, mm. and the community was more close knit because right. of segregation we you know, right. and the a lot of, in many cases the pastors lived in the same community mm. so they had the same vested interest in seeing those neighborhoods improve uh, you don't have the, the same vigor uh, that you had back then to see the change happen mm -hmm. although there were some promises made you know Running for office, they they like we're gonna we're gonna do this take care of this sewer problem. We're gonna put in curb and gutters, and mm -hmm. and that didn't happen. 
And now, now that they're trying to address the problem, they're complaining about the cost because in, in installing curb and gutters and sewer back in 1970s mm-hmm. would have been a lot cheaper than it is today. Mm-hmm. And then you got more state and federal regulations. Yeah, no, yeah I was, and I was going to go to that. So it also seems to be that as well. Like there's a level of bureaucracy that you have to go through loops and, and over hurdles to try to um, – Get 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 something done per se in the movie, and when we talk about you know uh, our awareness, maybe as, as a complete as a culture and society now compared to awareness then, I think I, I think it's twofold. Personally, I think it's a lack of education and being informed um, with you know saying with factual with facts, right? Just factual information with data, factual information without any personality whatsoever. And I think so. We we fall away from that, and I think you hit on something as well when you said passive that lived in the communities that went out of the community. So they went away. So again, less informed, you know, like, cause as I think as a culture, maybe so back then church was not just a thing. It was the thing. You, yeah. You were, you were, you were going to do that together regardless. Yeah. So, yeah. so when yeah. we're together, you get, you know, so you get that level of information. And I think the vested interest that goes, that, that goes into that, which is a difficulty now, because I feel like information can be gained from different ways, but how do we, how do we, Put that information through a strainer to say, is, is this what works beneficially for us as a community? And another thing I wanted to lean into to ask you about looking at your, your history, right? To get something done um, as a as a part of the council, as a council president, what did you feel was the most difficult thing to do in your time? Oh, no, that's easy. Drainage improvements. Uh one of the first things I did when I was elected in 79, Jay Garbo was the mayor. We both were elected in 79. We took off of July 1st of 79, and I told Jake I needed money for drainage. The first thing he said, well, how much you need? I said, I don't know. He said, we got to do a drainage study. Well, we did the drainage study, and then they discovered that they didn't have money to fund the drainage study. So then we had to work try to find a way to fund those drainage studies. And, there, and it was just, wasn't just my district. There was uh, drainage studies that were done countywide that were never funded. So we worked to with, with Steve Padgett, who was a state representative in the district, the part of the district I represented. And as we walked the neighborhood, he kept hearing people say, well, when, Warren, when are you going to address this drainage problem? And so he asked me the problem. I told him what it was, was lack of funding. So he got the legislature to allow us to do a six cents local option gasoline tax. We passed that. Guess what? The drainage studies were uh, expired. So they were not current. So we couldn't even fund them, even though we passed the gas tax. So we got some money, but not nearly as much as we should have for those older neighborhoods. And, and so that's been kind of a... a uh, issue you do the drainage study there's no money mm-hmm. then you get the money the drainage study is outdated because the state has changed the requirements and, and, I, and i also think the bounce back on that too when we go back into that type of information like that 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 type of detail detailed information that is not what they see like what i think unfortunately what we see is something happening in another neighborhood right. and asking why is it happening here right mm-hmm. and yeah. me and larry have had this discussion too what like right. we and, and some of that's not the city's well how do I put this? The the there was a change prior to consolidation. You didn't have subdivision requirements. Now you have subdivision requirements. So the developer has to put in the infrastructure 
So when you see these new subdivisions going in with curving gutters and all that, that's being paid for by the, the developer who passes that cost on to the buyer. And so the buyer is going to pay more for that house because that buyer has curving gutters, sidewalks in their neighborhood. Older neighborhoods didn't have that. So you could go and build 10, 20 houses and just dig a ditch. And that was cheaper to do than putting in curving gutters. And get, but see, that sounds like the movie's general education, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just not knowing that, right? Yeah. Just knowing that. So we, we have you for another hour, another half hour. But before uh, we get too far, I, I would want you to let our viewers know, give them an idea if they were interested in doing what you do, how you've done it. How would they go about doing that? Uh, <laughs> as short, as brief as you can possibly make it. I mean, well, I, I think... I know part of it's a will or want to, right? Yeah, you gotta. You, you need to be first, I believe, involved in the community. You got. You have to have an interest in improving your community. I had one opponent I ran against in 1983, who lived in Grand Park, had never been to a single community meeting. Mm-hmm. I said, well, how? And I told him, I said, well, how do you want to represent this community when you're not even working? I mean, the city. You're not even trying to improve your own neighborhood where you live. And that's where I was raised. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he didn't, of course, he didn't win that year. Because <laughs> I, I, I just, that was the issue that right. I used against him. But you need to be involved. Uh, you need to watch council meetings and read the newspaper. Or you can get it online now. So you can understand the issues and the personalities. Because not understanding the personalities, you don't know where that the position of the people you got to deal with. When you get on the council, there's 19 individuals, and they all have a agenda, and you got to work with all 18 of them to get 10 votes to pass anything, and then to get the mayor to sign it. And if you, if the mayor vetoes, you got to get 13 votes. So it's a partnership. You have to work with the mayor and city council. You got to understand those individuals, uh, their personalities, and to be effective to navigate through all of the various issues you confront. So would you say in some cases it's less about the short game or about the long? Yeah, especially with term limits. For example, the Grand Park drainage project, we we started and funded the first phase in in the early 80s, and we didn't finish until 97, 98, 9. Mm. Because it it was such a, it was a $36 million project. And when you're trying to get the council to give one person, one area of town, that kind of money, you're not going to get it all at one time. So you had to do it in about five or six phases. So you may get $8 million to do one phase, $10 million to do another phase. And then you, you have to fight with some of your constituents who are upset because their neighborhood is not being done first. And in, from an engineering perspective, you can't flood the people downstream. So you got you got to work from upstream, downstream, back up. So... When the water leaves upstream, it doesn't flood the people downstream. So that's why that was the issue. And then you had people who didn't want to sell the uh, easement to allow people to go in and, and level out, even out their driveways. They wanted to get paid. Here we are. You know, they're not, they're not taking your property. They just have to have an easement to get on your property to make sure that the driveway is level when it goes to the new street they're putting in. And so that was... Some people want to get paid. Some just, I just want to see my neighborhood improve. Right. So those, you know, all those, all that's part of the politics. But the key to it is maintaining communication with your constituents. And so I made sure that the fourth Thursday of each month, in Grand Park and other neighborhoods, that I was at their community meeting. 
because people say, well, I haven't seen you since the campaign. Mm -hmm. I said, well, you haven't been to the community meeting because mm -hmm. I go to hear what their concerns are and so I can let them know what I'm doing to try to address yes, them. Sir. And unfortunately, especially in the black community, you have a lot of people who don't know how to access. Yeah. So they'll see me and say, well, I, I got this problem. Well, you know, I take a note and try to address it. And I said, well, you need to call 630 City because I may not be, I'm not going to always be your council member, right. and you got to be proactive and get it done yourself. So would that be the advice you give to just, just every everyday citizens just to call their city if they have? Yeah. Just keep and, calling? Yeah. Well, call your city, call 630 City, report it, and then get the confirmation number. Mm -hmm. and, and if nothing's done, then call your district council member to follow up and give them the confirmation number. Mm -hmm. That's that's it. and and but now you have the fear of because you got to give your name and address when you report right. it. You also so, have to do that at council meetings if you have yeah. to, if you're gonna say something. You have to be anonymous. Yes. No. You no. No. You have you to when you go to a council meeting. You have something that you want to bring to the council. Meeting, you have to give them your name. Oh, okay. And your okay. Address. I mean, I would I would want to be known but, like, but, hey, but, I, listen. But that but that, <laughs> that just changed yeah. because oh. a lot of people don't want to out the neighbor. Uh, and then, and some people are afraid. Some seniors are afraid of retaliation. Yeah, and I was gonna say, oh, okay, I, but I was okay. saying this particular yeah. plic, this particular yeah, political yeah. comment, right? That's yeah, public that's information, yes, right? So yeah. I don't like what you said, so I'm gonna yeah, come to your house yeah. and, and do something. And so. then sometimes they just don't know, right? Because one of the things that I found effective in in many neighborhoods was doing a plan unit development, which is a rezoning, that's a contract, mm -hmm. and if you got something. You, that's good for the neighborhood, but the neighbors don't like it, then you do a plan unit development to try to put in conditions that they have to comply with. And that that's that's worked in majority neighborhoods. In in Avondale, for example, there was a um, another mushroom going in and mm -hmm. the neighbors was opposed to it because of the noise and because of the parking. Mm -hmm. Well the they did a came back and amended it, put a put in and put a restriction that they had to close the windows on one side of the building at nine o'clock mm -hmm. to cut down the noise so the neighbors wouldn't be able right, to right. and it passed. Okay. Well, of course, if they didn't close that window, people were gonna pick up the phone and call. Right. Well we did the same thing in, in Grand Park with the service station right there at uh, MLK and Division because they were loitering. They were they were uh, That's my neighborhood. leaving my trash, own neighborhood, yeah. trash out. Yeah. So we did a put and it's in place today, but then it's, it's dependent on the neighbors to call mm -hmm. to make sure this it's enforced. Right. So, so you have to be an active participant yeah. in and the process. And you got to know that and you're you can, rescue. Yeah. yeah. You, you got to know you can call and, and, and complain about it. Because mm -hmm. some of the neighbors in Grand Park, for example, said, I don't, I tell my my uh, friends who come to visit me to come down Canal Street because I don't want them to come by to see, see all the trash mm -hmm. and the guys loitering out front. So we, you know, I just introduced a rezoning because I couldn't get the owner to comply. Then he got upset, hired an attorney, and we got we came up with a compromise. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's some ways you can use your your uh, your position to influence, even though uh, he already had the zoning to do what he wanted to do. But right. by changing it, we put those conditions on it that he finally agreed to, uh, and therefore it's it's in place to kind of. Improve and clean the neighborhood. Mr. Jones just keeps filling us with nuggets. But yeah. We're going to have to close down this, this first episode with Mr. Jones. We'll be talking about the city. This next one. <laughs>
Uh, 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 oh, we need to talk about the education. <laughs> so please make sure you join us for this next episode of Substance Over Service on the Lit TV Network. This is your boy. This is your main man, Sean Davis S. Dot. This your boy, Kate Richard. Trust the process and everything else will fall in place. And remember, man, kindness is a superpower that we all possess. And with kindness, we can change someone's day, week, month, year, yes, even their life. So if you have some, please share. Please see us on our next episode.